0: Hey, this is Lisa. And uh, if you want to catch up with me on Twitter, you can find me at ILTM Podcast. I'm also on Instagram. I love that movie podcast. And we have a Patreon. Uh, The show is always free. But if you want to support us on there, you can. That's at patreon.com slash I love that movie. And basically, I do a weekly roundup on there. People ask me about All different types of movies that come out uh, recently and we're usually covering older stuff on the show. So I put all that on the Patreon. You can hear my thoughts on there. And we have interviews on there too. We just finished uh, covering Loki. We've covered The Mandalorian, WandaVision, and I'm sure we're going to cover more. So if you want to check that out, you can for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, And I want to take a moment to thank my top patrons and they are Chris Balga, Jeff Woodman. Phil Barker and Michael Cross, thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on. And if you like what you hear today, please subscribe and rate the show. It does help new listeners find us. Uh, I do have a returning guest today. I have Jay Yaz. Say hi, Jay. Hey,
1: uh, thanks for having me back, Lisa.
0: Yes, it's it's been a little bit. Um, if people have not heard you on the show before, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit?
1: Uh, my name, like you said, is Jay. Uh, I used to podcast more regularly with a, a comic show that I had called uh Comics Now, but uh, last last year, my uh co-host and podcasting partner and site runner, co-site runner, and everything, we uh, decided to call it quits just uh because life and time and all sorts of things. Uh, so I've been out of the regular podcasting game for a while, uh, but I've been on a couple of shows here and there. But I'm uh, glad to be back. Glad to uh, be here talking about uh, a movie that I I love and based on the reaction that uh, you got, when you said that you were watching it, uh, many, many people love. So uh, I
0: know, yes. Uh, and, and so my guest always choo- picks the movie. So what movie did you choose to talk about today?
1: I chose the 2004, uh, I think it's safe to say cult classic. Uh, Sky, I think so. Yeah, Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow.
0: Okay, I'm going to be 100% honest with you. I think this, this is the first time I've ever seen it.
1: <laughs> you, you were saying that you thought you saw it a while ago, so uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm guessing that even if that was the case, it felt like the very first time uh, this time.
0: I, you know, I, I felt like I at least started it, but then when I watched it all the way through, it wasn't super familiar to me this time. So, well,
1: did you did you enjoy it though?
0: Um, I did. I think that. I think that I probably would have liked it more had I seen it in 2004. And I think we'll talk about that uh, while we cover this, because there's a lot of elements that I really liked about it. But I think when you this is your first time seeing it, it does look a little bit dated. And that's only because when you compare it to movies that are kind of filmed this this way now, you know, like Take The Mandalorian where like a lot of it's green screen or, you know, Jungle Book or something like that. We're so spoiled now with how it looks. You can kind of tell, but I do respect what they were doing. And I think without this movie, you don't get those movies. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, I'm excited to, to discuss it and chat about it uh, under that lens because I want to get your perspective on uh, seeing it back then, you know? Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, when when did you first see this movie?
1: So I actually saw it in theaters back okay. in two thousand four. It's it's kind of a, um, funny how I even got clued into it because, huh. uh, back in two thousand four, when I was young and had you know money to burn and no actual bills or anything like that lots of disposable income you know all sorts of things i would i would go to <laughs> those the movies. were the days yes oh my gosh i miss those days uh, <laughs> i would go to the movies quite a bit uh like a maybe once even twice a week i would go um i was living with my dad at the time and i uh i would go uh to grapevine mills Mall would be uh the regular place that i'd go to but there was also a smaller theater in bedford that i would go to that uh Sadly, no longer there. But um, uh, I don't even remember what movie I was seeing, but I saw the trailer for Sky Captain, and uh, the first trailer they had was pretty much a condensed um, version of like the like the opening action scene or the first action scene with all the giant mechanical robots, you know, going about the city and everything, and you have you know Sky Captain's plane, you know, coming through and blasting everything. And I was just watching it, and honestly, I was like what in the world is this? (laughs) I had no idea what it was. Um, When the preview was over uh, and they had like the cast list and everything, I was like, okay, it has people I recognize, but that was so weird. Like I had no idea what to think of it. And, um, but I, uh, back then I would also, my dad had a, a subscription to Entertainment Weekly, the, you know, the, the magazine. Uh, form of it, which I don't think they publish anymore, but you know that's beside the point. Um, but every now and then they would do like ra- uh, not like ratings for trailers, and mm-hmm. for Sky Captain they actually gave it an A minus. So I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, that weird movie, okay. And then they they use you know words like I don't know, like retro, nostalgia filled, you know, very like like throwback, you know, things like that that I don't know maybe helped me reconcile what I saw with mm-hmm. also just kind of making me more open to it. Because I mean, at that point I wasn't as much into, um, you know, old school, um, uh, like, uh, like pulp serial films. Like, uh, I've always liked, you know, the Phantom with Billy Zane and, uh, the Rocketeer. I really liked those, which this is very much kind of a, uh, Uh, you know, kind of in that same vein, sort of a spiritual successor to it. But even then those were a little bit more grounded in the way that they were shot and everything. Whereas this movie was completely done except for, I think like a couple of props and a desk. And of course the actors, everything is on a blue screen and then added in, in post-production. So it had Mm -hmm. a very unique look to it. So I mean, while I was watching this trailer and even afterward, I mean, I wasn't necessarily mulling it over like, you know, it was it stuck in my head like all this time, like it was just, you know, eating away at me or anything like that. But um, I wasn't sure what to think of it at first. When I saw a positive response, I was like, okay, you know, maybe they are onto something here. And then when the movie actually came out, it got really good reviews.
0: It did. I noticed that, yeah, re- researching this, because my memory of it, honestly was i remember the trailer came and went nobody i knew really saw it i kind of wrote it off because other people didn't see it and so i kind of had a view of it as like yeah definitely a cult classic but it didn't stick out to me as like a must see um so when i watched it and then i read all the reviews especially from like uh you know ebert i was really i thought that was really interesting like and it gave me like a different perspective on the film. I read that after I saw it.
1: Yeah. And so uh, so that was like, okay, you know, maybe the, the this movie's on to something uh, or they're on to something with this movie. I don't know. You know, whatever. Um, so I went and saw it and loved it. Um, there's to this day, there's only one part in the movie that I really think didn't need to be there. <laughs> and it may be something that you would bring up too, uh, so we can get to it later. But um, okay. even then, it doesn't destroy the movie, but it is kind of out of place. But I mean, uh-huh. other than that, I mean, I just loved it's. Yeah, uh, I mean, se- since since then, I've you know seen more movies, gotten more into you know this kind of pulpy, you know, swashbuckling kind of adventure, you know, kind of sure. stuff. Uh, you know, even with comics, more like you know golden and silver age comic books that are just all about you know fun and kind of goofiness and you know cheesiness but embracing it just because it's there to have a good time and and that's that's all it really is and um yeah. So I saw it, loved it. And even the next week, some uh, guys that I knew wanted to go see a movie, but they didn't know what to see. So I said, hey, let's go see Sky Captain. So I went and saw it again the next weekend. And I think I was the only one who enjoyed it in that excursion. But who cares? Because <laughs> I loved that movie.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, I, before we go any further, I'm going to read the synopsis. I I mention this in every episode, but just so you all know, if this is your first time. Uh, I will talk about spoilers. We will talk spoilers. So I would recommend going and seeing the movie first, then coming back and uh, and and joining us. But here is the synopsis for the movie.
1: I hope it's a good. Uh, one.
0: Yeah, let's hope. Uh, When gigantic robots attack New York City, Sky Captain uses his private air force to fight them off. His ex-girlfriend, reported Polly Perkins, has been investigating the recent disappearance of prominent scientists. Suspecting a link between the global robot attacks and missing men, Sky Captain and Polly decide to work together. They fly to the Himalayas in pursuit of the mysterious Dr. Todenkopf, the mastermind behind
1: the robots. That's pretty accurate.
0: Yeah. And okay. I hope that I didn't scare you off at the beginning there. There's a lot of ingredients that I really like about this film. Um, So I don't, I don't want it to to come across negative at all.
1: (laughs) No, no, it's (laughs) okay. I mean, it's, it's a, I mean, I want to make sure that, you know, I'm talking, not necessarily that you enjoyed as much as I do, but I didn't, you know, drag you into something that you're like, Oh my (laughs) god, why did that? Why did I have to watch this movie?
0: (laughs) I think the only, honestly, the, uh, Okay. I've never spoken of this on the podcast before, but there's only a couple of movies that I don't know. I'm not even going to say it because I am I kind of want someone to pick it now and, and then and maybe they'll change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I rarely am like tortured. <laughs> like, I don't think I ever am, you know, by movies. Um, and this is something I had wanted to see, too. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that I saw it. And I think through our discussion and through, uh, you know, like I said, the research and everything, again, I love, I love walking away with a different perspective. So, uh, I have a couple of quick facts. I actually have more than three this time, um, that I wanted to share before we dive in further. So uh, number one, the world of tomorrow portion of the title is a reference to the 1930, 1940 New York world's fair, which was named the world of tomorrow. That's something I did know because (laughs) it's kind of a weird roundabout way to get there. But when I was in Chicago a lot for work, I ended up like having extra time and I was on Navy Pier and I went through this. It was really weird. It was a fun house that was also sort of a museum. (laughs) And it at one point talked about the World Fair there. And then I ended up because I was bored when I got home reading a lot about the world fair and reading about the world fair in different cities. And so I did actually know that <laughs> because of that.
1: That's cool. Yeah. I've, I don't think I've ever been anywhere that had like any of the old world's fair fairgrounds. They, they never had it in Dallas. Did they?
0: They did. Oh, did they? Um, a lot of the art deco buildings are in fair park are from a world
1: fair. Actually. You know what? And they're still there to this day. Maybe I knew that. And I just forgot about
0: it. It's you know, what's weird about it is it's not focused on, but it's actually kind of a big deal. Like they had a world's fair in Dallas and it was super important. And I mean, they build all those buildings just to show it off. And they're still there to this day. I don't know why they don't plug that more.
1: Yeah. But I mean, usually about...
0: around the fair, they kind of mention it a little bit. But yeah, that's and they, why and they then even like envisioning
1: that. some of the buildings they have over there. It's like, oh, that makes perfect sense. That, that Like all those built. weird
0: murals and yeah. stuff that look really like dated. Yeah. And look kind of, again, sort of. Kind of like this movie, just kind of golden era-ish. Yeah, yeah. that's why. Um, so while this project was still in early development, uh, writer-director Carrie Conran originally wanted to produce it as if it was a lost serial uh, from the 30s. <laughs> uh, with the movie featuring unknown actors shot in black and white and divided into chapters, each ending with a cliffhanger, uh, all these ideas were subsequently abandoned in an attempt to gain bigger box office appeal. Um, yeah, go ahead.
1: <laughs> oh man, that would have been completely different. So much fun, and made it even more of a bomb than it already was.
0: Uh, I was gonna say, I think you know, you made a comment that the draw of the casting had a part to play in, in winning you over for this bizarre trailer. You know, at the time, because mm-hmm. like you said, you weren't into this stuff. I don't feel like in two thousand four. People were yearning for or excited about the 1930s.
1: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I,
0: I think they'd be more receptive to it now.
1: Uh, yeah, totally agree. And I mean, Jude Law, Angelina Jolie, and Gwyneth Paltrow honestly aren't big draws for a movie for me either. Uh, like, I mean, I respect <laughs> them as actors, but they're not, you know, they're, they're not someone that I'm going to go see a movie for yeah, um, i I get that. but but even then, it's like, okay, there's some big names in here. Um, yeah, you
0: know who they are.
1: <laughs> but you know? but still, it's uh, that would that is a missed opportunity that, as a fan of the movie, I am very interested in seeing how it would have happened uh, yeah. and how it would have worked, but at the same time, uh, unfortunately it may have it may have been you know the right choice uh, but yeah. still that's I, I didn't know that. that that's really cool I want
0: that only because I'm the kind of person that likes you know like that movie the artist you know that mm-hmm. was about silent film and and, and moving over to talkies and how big of a difference that is. And, I mean, that's a lot for people nowadays to sit through a silent film. A lot of people won't do that. Um, I don't think it had a big box office draw. And I think when you're talking about the kind of special effects that they're using in this film, um, that would be a huge gamble to spend you know money and time and no one go see it. But, right. you know, even with all that, uh, even if it being color, having a bigger cast, it's still... Didn't get the draw they were hoping for, but yeah, I think that would have hurt it more. Um, In addition to the hologram towards the end of the movie, the old photographs of Dr. Totenkopf were actually Sir Lawrence Olivier. They were modified to add the Unit 11 logo as well as replace Vivian Leigh with Bailene. Another name you heard a lot during this time. Oh, by right. Green. Yes, wow. yes. <laughs> <laughs> but um I, I read that this was a little controversial. Um people thought it was disrespectful at the time to include someone who's dead in a movie that they were unaware of. And now look where we are today. <laughs>
1: like, yeah, it's it is interesting, th- right? Still one of those things that I remember, you know, when it came out, and it was uh, it was a you know fairly controversial. Um, I don't even remember how I reconciled it necessarily, because uh, it is dicey. But yeah,
0: but yet in like some of the most recent Star Wars films, they've done that a couple of
1: times. It, exactly. Uh, I mean, it, it, again, it's one of those things where this movie did a lot of things with technology that we're doing today. Um, yes,
0: I think it was way too ahead of its time for audiences to really, you know, u- unless they were someone like you that was open to that. Um, it's just a lot for them to think about, um, and, and you know, the the blue screen and yeah, it's so weird blue screen before green screen, right. but um, and 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 this concept of of using. You know, an actor that's no longer with us. Uh, things we're kind of still wrestling with today, but in two thousand four, it's it's asking a lot. <laughs> I, th- I
1: think what makes it work for me, um, just just me myself, is the fact that, and I mean, I mean this as respectfully as possible, but in the movie, the character is also already deceased.
0: I I actually agree with you. I, w- I was going to say I I don't really see it as disrespectful, more of an homage, because they are. Talking about an earlier era, and he was a huge star in an earlier era. So I think it's pretty respectful. I can't imagine that he would be upset by this. Like everyone wants to be remembered, and it's kind of a cool way to work him in. So I I don't really yeah find it disrespectful. Get him
1: one last picture, you know, even after he's gone. Um, Yeah. For some reason, I think Roger Ebert, like you said, he he loved this movie. Uh, Um, I think he actually said that in his review is, you know, what actor wouldn't want to have one last big role, even after, you know, they've, they've died. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's like one, one step away from stock footage is what it is. Really?
0: That's so true. And and I think even in some of the star Wars films, it's like, yeah, they're reviving them a little bit, but they were in those movies previously. So it's not like they're like putting them like in a, I don't know Marvel movie or something. You know what what I mean, it? like it's not like, um, uh, it's not a bridge too far. It's it's like and and they did that. I think with Sir, Sir Lawrence Olivier in this film. It's like again, it's not out of the realm of possibility if you were alive. So it, you know, it's not like you're putting him in a wacky comedy in 2025 right, or something.
1: Exactly. It's uh, and <laughs> I mean, it's uh, I I don't know if the project has been abandoned and dead. But I remember sometime last year, the year before, there was talks of having James Dean quote unquote star in a war movie as like one of Weird. the leads by using like uh uh you know like just cgi deep fake technology stuff like that to have him cast in the film alongside contemporary actors that, that's I bananas think is too much because yeah
0: that's i have to really think about that i just yeah that's very strange um Wow. I, it's like, I I feel bad about it and I don't know why I'd I'd have to dissect it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. That, that again, I mean, getting an entire performance just out of whole cloth, just from somebody's image and persona, I think it's a little different than what they did here, which is take some recordings and, uh, you know, video and photos and, uh, just kind of rework it to make it where it fits in with. The story, and, and it's only like three minutes of screen time, too. Right. So it's not and I mean, even like it's yeah. a huge part of the film.
0: What you're talking about, too, sounds like really stifling creativity and talent. Like, let's just keep returning to the same well with the same few actors that are gone that we liked. It's like, why? Why wouldn't you? You know, there's so many people today. Exactly, well, why know, not get, the thing that jumps to mind. You know, mind. if you say
1: you want a James Dean type, you know, and instead there's of going out of finding somebody who's a James Dean type, <laughs> now you're saying you can just make James Dean again. Yeah, I, I, I think that's that's a. That's <laughs> and an it's
0: like, question. why him specific? You know, I don't know. It, it, that's a rabbit hole, but anyway. yeah, I think that that is a, that is totally different. I didn't know that. Wow. Um. the The last thing that I had was okay. So this entire movie was shot against blue screen. Uh, with everything except the main characters computer generated, and this was one of several movies to take that approach, although this was the first debatably, including uh, Immortal in 2004, Cash Urn, which I actually really like that movie, um, Sin City 2005, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the last of which was shot on high definition digital cameras like this movie. Uh, but because of this movie being completely shot against blue screen rather than uh, via orthodox sets, filming was completed in just 29 days. Wow. Uh, normally, with sets and location, filming would have taken the better part of a year to finish.
1: Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it was all edited and put together and everything on Carrie uh, uh Like Conrad's. Adobe? Yeah, like yeah. his Mac computer. That's insane.
0: Um, well, okay. So this was, this was the thing that I noticed about this film. Uh, tell me if you feel like I'm off base here. I read this in an article too, um, which was about saying that, you know, this movie was so ahead of its time. Um, it feels the the only thing I noticed in this movie is that I feel like the actors struggle a little bit at times to work with the fact that they're completely on blue screen. I think you feel it a little bit sometimes, almost like when you watch somebody make like a YouTube video or something else and they're using, you know, green screen for sort of like a skid and it comes across kind of like they're not there. Right, right, right. Um, I think the actors had that problem in this movie because it didn't exist before. So that's not criticizing them or even the movie, but under today's lens, it's noticeable. Whereas I think by now they figured out ways to give actors things to focus on and look at. And actors are just in general familiar with and have seen people give incredible performances with, uh, with this kind of technology. And so they kind of know what they're walking into. Whereas I almost get the feeling that while, you know, I, I read Gwyneth Paltrow really liked the script and even took a pay cut to be in it. I think that that it was really ambitious. I think they were excited to do something super ambitious, but I could tell that sometimes they struggled with it a little bit. But again, when something is the first of something, when something's this new, that's going to happen.
1: Yeah, I mean, even watching it the other day, which was the first time I watched it in, gosh, 10 years, maybe at least. um, uh, It had been a while. um, And I, I was paying attention to it, trying to kind of view it through that lens of, okay, how am I watching this 17 years after it's come out? Um, I do agree with you that there, there are some points where there, I mean, they're definitely giving it their all and they're doing what they can, but um, there is still some of that a little bit of, uh, I don't know if you want to call it like latency confusion. Like somebody maybe oversteps the mark just a little bit, especially in the big action scenes. And it's like, okay, yeah. well, where she's standing, a giant robot foot is like three centimeters. <laughs> That's from a her, lot so, to think about. <laughs> so maybe she shouldn't be right there exactly. So I, I could I could definitely um, uh, uh, see some of those moments, like I said, especially um, in the big action uh, scenes, like where Polly's running through the streets in New York away from the uh, mechanical uh, robots, um, and then even later on when they go to um, uh, you know the for or the the jungles and like Shangri-La and everything, uh, there is definitely some um, deliberate acting on everyone's part to make sure that they're believing that they're where they're supposed to be.
0: Yeah, and it, it kind of reminds me of like when you watch an old movie and they're driving in a car and. You know, nowadays we can tell that there's just a screen running behind them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you kind of have to get used to that. You're like, if, if you haven't watched an old movie in a long time, if you watch a lot of old movies, it doesn't bother you at all. Because you're like, well, yeah, yeah, what what could they do? But I think for me, because I hadn't seen it all the way through, um, I was I noticed it more. But I feel like that would probably happen if I watched some of these other movies again that I liked also. Um, I would probably notice that more because now we're like spoiled where, you know, we're watching stuff like the Mandalorian where it's sort of a mix of some things are real, some things are not. Um, but, you know, sometimes he's walking through the desert and then you see behind the scenes and he's on a treadmill. Right. And it's like incredible that they can make that look real. Yeah, but
1: so that's, part, yeah. that's kind of part of the, the old school charm of the movie is. I yeah, like, I like to. And again, I'm not saying that this is anywhere close to the quality of this movie, but it's very much like a, a spiritual successor of like Raiders of the Lost Ark. Just oh,
0: I I thought about that a lot watching this. Just a, a throwback um, yeah. to you
1: know you know goofy, silly. I mean, like like you even were saying that they wanted this to be you know with unknowns cut up into chapters that end on cliffhangers mm-hmm. and released almost like a compiled serial. Um, that there there is that charm to it where okay, it's a little hokey and a little you know corny and everything, but. That's exactly what the movies and comics and books and, you know, serials that they are taking inspiration from what they just worked with back then. And that's, that's what it was. So it's still very much in the vein of what it's taking inspiration from.
0: So I think this is going to kind of segue into talking about the cast. So I think I completely agree with you. And I actually had the thought watching the movie now Jude Law, this is, when this movie comes out, this is post, you know, the talented Mr. Ripley, Gattaca. And those are the kinds of films that I think I'm used to seeing him in. Like he's sort of a very serious kind of actor Mm. in, in a lot of his films. And I did kind of wonder, like, would I view his character as sky captain differently? Had they casted sort of a Harrison Ford type? Cause when I thought about it, I was like his, uh, His the plot, you know, and his interactions with this with Gwyneth Paltrow, kind of remind me of that. But he is he's kind of like a more serious actor, like serious and British, and like very handsome, you know. So it's kind Mm -hmm. of like there's something about how Harrison Ford was like. Obviously, he's handsome, but he's sort of like more of a like rugged. Yeah, um,
1: Harrison Ford's definitely more. Yeah, rugged hands, uh, ruggedly handsome.
0: Yeah, Um, and he's like kind of a. I mean I mean in real life, if I were dating
1: Jude Law has a baby
0: Indiana Jones, I'd be he like, he's kind face. of a dick, you know? <laughs> yes. But it's endearing. He's an endearing, lovable you're like, well, yeah, he's rough around the edges. Like that's but Jude Law is so polished that sometimes I was like, I wonder if I wonder what that character would have been like as someone else. Not saying that it would be better, but just different and and more what they normally cast as i thought i just thought he was an interesting casting choice as sky captain
1: yeah and uh i mean nobody else could be indiana jones but harrison Ford. true i do (laughs) that's a good point i do think that you know jude law didn't exactly like own the role like i don't i couldn't see anybody else in the role but i do like to your point i do think that um him being maybe a little against what you would think like a little against that. He's not like, like the Harrison Ford or even like Brendan Fraser in the mummy, you know, very, very tall. That was tall, another guy I thought of. Tall, like you know, funny, goofy too, you know, but has a very, very, um, almost like goofy wit. Whereas, yeah. um, Jude Law is definitely, I mean, uh, I, I said it a minute ago, he has like a baby face. He's very much, you know, um, younger he looks younger than he is he can play younger so he doesn't have yeah, like you know, stubble and things like that that you would think of with like a you know the ruggedness of like Harrison Ford or somebody like that um or even you know going back further like a hum- Humphrey Bogart or um anyone actually
0: like- it's so funny you say that Nick said that because I was explaining this to him and he said do you mean like a Humphrey G- Bogart type I- and I go yes because well he was in serial films too like the African Queen right mm-hmm. like yeah, he is who I think of. Yeah, Jude
1: yeah. Law would be more of like the Errol Flynn or maybe even yes. like a Clark Gable, someone like that. Very,
0: very good point.
1: Um, but I mean, again, I don't necessarily think he owned the role that nobody else could play, play Sky Captain, but I like what he brought to it, especially yeah. with- um, like I like him just fine. I mean, he's not one of my favorite actors, but he—I mean—he's a good actor. He's, he is. He's not someone, like I said, that's going to draw me to a movie. Um, I mean, Gwyneth Paltrow—you know—when I like her, I like her. When she's in something that I don't like, it's not even because it's her. It's just sometimes, you know, the film she's in, her performance isn't always what I would want from the role. Let, let me say that. I think she was really good as kind of the lowest lane-ish you know, reporter um, in this. And I liked their banter back and forth. Uh, that's something mm-hmm. that I don't think I appreciated on uh, previous viewings was almost like the, uh, like the Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn kind of, you know, the uh, bickering banter back and forth. Like uh, she takes a jab at him and he takes a jab at her and she takes a, you know, bigger jab at him, you know, just kind of that, you know, back and forth that they had with still undeniable, like really good chemistry. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, I appreciated that more this time around. And I do think that it helps, especially with some of those, um, helps you kind of look past some of the scenes like you were saying, where um, when they're on the screen um, alone, they can kind of struggle with you know, you know, finding marks or, you know, working with this new filmmaking style. But when, you know, there's more than one actor in the scene together, they bounce off each other really well. And I think that the uh, the the ensemble worked together really well that way.
0: Yeah, I thought, I mean, she definitely looked the part 100%. Like, when you see her in, you know, as Polly Perkins in her reporter outfit, and I think that's a good character for a female to have uh, in this setting. She has Um, she's
1: She has moxie. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And and so that was very fitting. It felt very era appropriate for sure. I will say though, I was shocked by how much I liked Angelina Jolie in this movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of actors that I don't always like, she can be amazing in girl interrupted. I still think that's like her best performance ever. Um, And then you've got your Tomb Raider, which I I like, but, you know, it's fine. Um, And she's in a lot of movies like that where I'm like, it's it's okay. (laughs) But I actually really liked her as Frankie. I thought out of the three of them, I almost felt like she sold that era the most Mm -hmm. and clearly tried very hard to sort of emulate um, with her accent. That wasn't bad. I liked it. And... I don't know. She just did a good job. I was, I was, I liked her look. I, it was like more of this, please. I like this. <laughs> yeah. Like
1: with the eye patch and, you know, the, the old, you know, uh, Royal guard or whatever it is, you know, they, and they, uh, that kind of outfit that they had. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, de- again, that's something that kind of stuck out this time around too, was Jude Law and Gwyneth Paltrow almost seem like they're in not like a romantic comedy, but they are in like a sort of uh, maybe more like a romancing the stone kind of adventure. I
0: almost said that just now. <laughs> where <I was> like... <laughs> where
1: it's it's a little more contemporary, even though it's a throwback. Angelina Jolie with her accent and even like her diction sounds yes. almost in in a the best way possible. Sounds like an old like horse race announcer,
0: or like you're playing a video game. And like there's that cutscene with the actors, and you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. she feels like she's in that world. Like, a, I guess the, it's the, immersive.
1: The, the, the Star Wars, the Clone Wars, you know, cartoon, like it would yes. open with the uh, announcer reading it like an old, you know, wartime, <laughs> you know, telegraph or whatever. You know, she has that kind of energy and uh, everything like that. So that, that stuck out to me this time around.
0: Um, yeah, well. it was a bold choice, but I liked it. You know, sometimes you swing and miss, but I, I, I enjoyed that about it. Um, well, do you want to talk about, uh, I know that the, the director of this film, uh, that we already mentioned, uh, his name is Kerry Conran. This was like his first film debut too, wasn't it?
1: Yeah. It's the only film he's made to date.
0: Oh my gosh, I did not realize that. Well, I, th- I noticed like he, I think he put together a short, right? And yeah. that's how
1: it got picked like up. The World of Tomorrow, I think was the name of the short. And I'm, I've seen it. It's been, you know, <laughs> forever since I've watched it. I, I think it's pretty much the, uh, like the demo reel of the attack on New York with the robots and the, and Sky Captain, his flying legion coming in to save the day. Um, it's pretty much that. Um, and, uh, that's, that's how he, yeah, kind of sold the movie, but I think he had such a bad experience with, uh, just, I, I don't know if it was with the studio with it, not, you know, you know, making money, um, for a while, uh, I think Disney had actually tapped him to do an adaptation of uh, John Carter from Mars. And he was working on that for a while, but, for whatever reason, they ditched him and went with, uh, oh gosh, I can't remember. Was it Andrew Stanton who did that one?
0: Oh, I don't know. I actually haven't seen that film. Oh, um,
1: but, um, but yeah, I mean he was working on another big studio picture for a while was attached to it and then just got dropped. So I think just the, the disappointment of sky captain just not getting opportunities after that, even though, even though he showed that, you know, some ingenuity at the very least, you know, that he could make this, you know, entire movie with a handful of actors and, you know, his laptop computer. Um, he still wasn't given uh, a lot of opportunities after that. And I think that it, it just kind of burned him out. I, I read it. so sad. Yeah, I read an interview with, uh, I believe it was his brother. Um, a year or two back. I think it was several years older than that that the interview was conducted. But I read the interview just a while back, and his brother just talked about how he doesn't really like to talk about the movie anymore. It's just a sore spot with him, and he's, you know, tried to move on and uh, all this stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's very unfortunate that, you know, he made this one movie and a couple of shorts, and then really just hasn't had an opportunity to hone his skills and become a better director and a writer based off of, you know, this, um, and again, I mean, it's not, it's not the highest form of art, but it's a very entertaining, enjoyable movie, especially as a, uh, like a first feature. Like it, you, you'd be, you'd be hard pressed to say that this guy had never directed anything before this.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and that he loves film, mm-hmm. you know, that's obvious. So that that would be really devastating. Um, well, we're here to honor him today. Yes. So uh, why don't you tell me some of your favorite, favorite scenes from the movie? Uh,
1: so like the big ones that stand out are, um, I mean, like we've talked about a couple of times, uh, you know, the, um, the big uh, first action sequence where we have all these uh, giant mechanical monsters that are very reminiscent of the mechanical monsters from the uh, Flesher Superman serial from the the, the 40s. Uh, I think that's actually where he got the inspiration for their design and everything.
0: I feel like I read that. Um, I know I read something about Superman specifically. So yeah, that sounds right.
1: That's just a really fun scene. Um, But I I mean, even just like the opening of the movie, you open with this shot of a blimp flying through New York City and then docking at the Empire State Building. And it's just such a, you know, retro, um, you know, steampunk isn't quite the right word because it's not Victorian. It's not, you know, uh, you know, late 1800s in London, True, but know. it is very much that retro futuristic style mm-hmm. that a lot of people, you know, uh, in, in, in the cosplay community, you know, kind of build their uh, like entire costumes off of and take inspiration from to. For sure. Uh, to put a spin on another, you know, franchise or character. Um, so just having something like that. And um, as a, you know, massive, massive fan and um, appreciator of, you know, Batman, the animated series, where they had the blimps for the GCPD that make no sense whatsoever, but still look really, yeah, you're really right cool. <laughs> they,
0: it, it is a similar aesthetic where it's like, it's in today's world, but it's, somehow in some ways in the past and it gives it sort of this unique color palette and vibe uh to the show and they, they don't really have to say when it is. I'm mean, Sky Captain is different in that it is set in a specific time frame, but like you said, it's not consistent with it, you know, it's historical fiction. You know, right. they they put their own spin on what could have happened back then. And so it's yeah. it's to, interesting. To liken it to uh,
1: uh, maybe another um in in spirit at least is you look at like the incredibles Mm -hmm. that movie is apparently supposed to take place in like the 60s but because of like you know superheroes and all this stuff technology advanced faster than it did in the real world interesting yeah i i read that just recently that it's supposed to be you know decades in the past even though it looks like it takes place in contemporary america Um, -hmm. so it's, it's, it's kind of like that it's, uh, taking, you know, a, a historical time period and then putting kind of a, um, you know, a wish fulfillment gloss on it. Like, this is what it would be like if we had this super cool technology then. Um, and, and a lot of the technology in this movie is really cool. Like I love sky captain's plane. Like one of my favorite scenes is, um, when they're, you know, on the run from, uh, the, uh flying mon- uh, mechanical monsters robots i can call them robots i know what they're called uh when he's they're on the run from the robots and then they fly out over the ocean and then you know they dive into it and his plane turns into a submarine it's just yeah. that's just i mean i don't know that has stuck with me like more than pretty much anything since i originally saw the movie because that that's just so cool. Like just one of those very cool, you know, pulpy ideas of mm-hmm. well, why can't an airplane turn into a submarine once it comes in the water? <laughs> and then uh, you mentioned, you know, Frankie with, uh, 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 you know, their Flying Legion or whatever they were called um, with uh, like the British Royal Navy. And they they pretty much have a shield hel- helicarrier, <laughs> uh, yes. you know, just flying around. So a lot of those just really big fun reveals that um you know to to the 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 point you brought up earlier about wanting to divide this up into sections with cliffhangers you know there are a lot of really big wow moments that you could easily see being like the end of one chapter and then going into the next one like when you see this big you know helicarrier flying you know in the sky and then they land on it and then you know take off and you know, fly to uh, Shangri-La and wherever they go after that. So it's um, just, it's a movie that is very much like episodic in nature and pretty, uh, to me, pretty much all of the action beats are exciting. Even the story beats are just a, a little over the top enough that you know it's it's enjoyable. Even things that are exposition, it's fun exposition because they're going around saying, all the world scientists are being kidnapped. That's goofy and cornball. <laughs> but I mean it's just it's a lot of fun because it's not taking itself seriously, but it wants you to feel like there is some gravity to the situation while still kind of winking at you and saying, we're still just having fun here.
0: Yeah, I I, I agree with that. And Um, again, that's why I keep saying this, but I'm like, I feel like this would be like a good game Mm, Yeah. just because of all, all those reveals you talked about. Um, I think there's a lot of world building in this movie and I think that audiences may have struggled with that too Yeah. because it's like the second you get used to what the world is, you know, oh, okay, we're in this, in this version of the thirties and forties where, Um, robots are attacking and then they're like also sky captain also (laughs) that fleet and then they're in shangri-la and it's like that's kind of i think that i could see especially in 2004 audiences having trouble keeping up with all of that whereas like i feel like in a game you could kind of slowly introduce some of those things Mm -hmm. or like his original idea i think serials would be a really good way to do that too yeah
1: and uh, like you're
0: saying i think for some that are not quite as on board if they have time to kind of digest it, you know, mm-hmm. like if it was a nine episode miniseries or something like that, I think, I think that would, that would work really well.
1: Yeah. I've, and I've long said that if we were living in a just cinematic world, we would have a sky captain franchise by now with like four <laughs> more movies and maybe even like a spinoff about Giovanna Rabisi's decks, uh, and uh, Giovanni Rabisi. I don't know why I said Giovanna, uh, but um, okay. um, but I mean, again, it just it didn't connect at that time, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. and 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 it's a shame because I mean, there's just so much like humor, and there's not a lot of character development because even the things you learn about, like Joe is Sky Captain's real name, like his and uh Polly's. Uh, past is really more played for laughs, and yeah, more just- it, it, it's like
0: she's upset, but it's not like they were married. Yeah,
1: um you know. <laughs> and I mean, he's upset about something too that mm-hmm. he's you know rightfully upset about, and she's upset about something that she is right to be upset about. Um, but again, I mean, it's just back to that, like. Um, you know, his girl Friday back and forth banter, like you would see in, uh, you know, like a John Houston movie from, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the 40s and, and 50s. Um, and it has one of the best closing lines of a movie I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. And it cracks me up every time I see it. In fact, I, I show the movie to my best friend and I don't think he was into it at all like while well, he was watching it, but then when it came to like the final scene um, and, and Joe just says lens cap, he about died laughing just because it was such perfect timing in the, you know, cutting to her face, just slowly going from, you know, a smile to like almost getting like angry and then, you know, going to credits was just great comedic timing at the end just to you know, ended on a, on a fun note. Um, the, uh, the only part of the movie that I really think doesn't work and hasn't worked for me ever since the first time I watched it is when they go to Nepal and, you know, they, they, uh, they meet, uh, Joe's friend who, whose name escapes me. Um,
0: oh yeah. Um, man, I can't remember. Let me look back at the, uh, but, and, I'm looking at the pictures so yeah well,
1: well, well you're up. looking it up um and i mean it's not a big thing but it's it's like a lewd, crass comment that di- Omid
0: Djall Dijalil,
1: yeah that would be the actor i can't remember his his name omid in the movie Dijal-
0: i'm going to try this again sure. omid djallili <laughs> i
1: think um, hopefully i say that correctly but um
0: that's kaji yeah
1: kaji yes there we go um they they, they you know joe asked him how his um uh, Nepalese is, and he makes a, you know, looks at Polly and makes a, a lewd comment, which I won't repeat. Um, and <laughs> I wasn't even thinking about that. I hadn't even thought of that. But I mean, it's just one of those things like this is a perfect movie to show to like even kids because, you know, it's just a lot of fun. It's an adventure movie, but then you get to that. And it's like, you know, if the kids can't read it, you know, that's one thing, but uh, you know, just just that one comment has stuck out like a sore thumb to me and, it just, uh, like I said, it doesn't obviously doesn't ruin the movie for me because I'm talking about it on a podcast called, I love that movie. Uh, <laughs> but it's, it's, if, if I could change one thing about the movie, just the movie itself, not its reputation, legacy, anything that's come after, or hasn't come after, but if I could change one movie, I would just take that one line out. Um, uh but uh <clears throat> that's that's about the only thing in the whole movie that uh i think doesn't fit uh, yeah which you know not not a not a bad track record for <laughs> for the rest of it
0: well yeah and again it's 2004 um i think today you'd probably update some of the stuff with polly um and that scene may not happen because yeah. i feel like in a a serial movie you're like oh this is innocent and you know there's sexual tension Mm -hmm. and so this is fun but today you're like it's a little creepy (laughs) like so i think there's some stuff like that with the dynamics between them that would would be homage to that era but still updated a little bit yeah um but yeah i don't think it's enough to be like this movie is forbidden or something yeah it's not uh,
1: that big of a deal and what really helps too is i feel like they're they're portrayed on equal footing like they're like yeah that's true like there are times when joe kind of gets um uh lets his impatience get the best of him so he doesn't come across Mm -hmm. looking that great there's one scene where polly is uh, not like a, uh, necessarily like a damsel in distress, but when they go into that cave, she makes a mistake that was kind of foolish, but it's a mistake anyone could have made, and it just happened to be her. I don't think it's ever played as like, even though they have that kind of classic, uh, like I said, chemistry and back and forth with their um, uh, eh, maybe playful Um, Not even insults, but uh, like playful banter with each other. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think that there's ever a point where um, it's entirely sexist, except for, like I said, this one comment, which you know, is we can just strike from the record and, you know, just forget about, uh, but I mean, uh, like I said, they're, they're, um, they're, they're equal players. And in fact, Gwyneth Paltrow gets top billing in the movie. So it's just as much. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's just as much her, her movie as it is, um, uh, Jude Laws, um, which is fair because I mean, she keeps telling him throughout the whole movie, you know, we're a team, we're in this together, you know, we're, we're doing this together. So it is very much a, um, Almost like a, I hesitate to say like a buddy movie, but it is very much that <laughs> that team dynamic. That they, they
0: don't have. really end up together. This is another interesting aspect. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Even though you know there is that romantic tension, it's still just a lot more about their camaraderie and how they work together than if they're going to end up together in the end.
0: Yeah, I get the feeling that they didn't. That maybe they have future. Adventures, but uh, I think maybe they're a little too alike, perhaps. And so they kind of clash a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it would make sense that they're attracted to each other, but I don't necessarily think they're, um, you know, couple. Maybe both too independent. Yes. They're, they're very, they're very headstrong, very independent. Like you said, they're very much alike. They're very much alike each other. Just they um, have different professions. Uh, yes, but they they still have similar personalities.
0: And I do like that, like Sky Captain has apparently a lot of money to <laughs> do yeah. all this stuff. And that seems kind of absurd, but I guess it's not any more absurd than like Batman being a billionaire, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, yeah, you have to suspend some belief. And and that that feels very, very, like you said before, like a serial or pulpy yeah. or, or a comic book, it's like. Yeah, okay, just accept that.
1: Yeah. Even, <laughs> like, even, don't, don't think about that. Even with Sky Captain, I get the feeling that he's actually part of like a specialty like military force almost.
0: Yeah, like is he employed or yeah, it's kind of hard to tell, he, but it, he's just kind it's of It's not fake really important. He's like yeah. he's
1: like the war hero and everything and um but it's it's not necessarily his and it's like his crew in that they work with him but it's not his crew in that everyone works for him that kind of thing yeah he's not like paying them right exactly
0: yeah interesting yeah um what was another another scene that you really liked
1: uh i like how um the movie kind of slowly builds up because for a while it's like, Oh cool. Giant robots and you know, planes <laughs> and stuff like that, but you're still not sure what's going on. It's, yeah. Like what are all these, why are all these scientists being kidnapped? And then, I mean, you know, you get hints of it. Like you see the like miniature elephant.
0: I like the miniature. elephant. Oh, I love,
1: I love elephants. So seeing a <laughs> miniature one that I could like keep as a pet, Uh, That like blew me away. (laughs) uh, um, You know, you see that in that uh, that uh, lab, and it's like, what is going on here? And then finding out that I don't know. (laughs) Just uh, finding out that Tone Cop was pretty pretty much getting all these scientists together because he saw himself as not even necessarily like he was the savior for the world, but that humanity had screwed up. So he needs to save everything else and just scorch the earth so that, you know, plant life and animals can survive while, you know, humans have, you know, judgment and everything, which is kind of dark, but, um, yeah. And he
0: has like this Isle of Dr. Moreau type situation with all these weird animals too,
1: but it's still just, uh, Uh, just once everything comes together and it's almost like making the title ironic and that, Mm -hmm. you know, it's the world of tomorrow. It's like, well, you know, if his plan goes, comes to fruition, uh, for humanity, there won't be a tomorrow, but it will be for, you know, whatever's left over. Um, right. So there is that kind of, uh, um, ironic kind of, you know, doomsday, uh, doomsday scenario. Um uh it was a little early for um you know like a nuclear scare kind of thing but still Mm -hmm. you know stuff you would see like in the 50s where um you know all the horror movies were about like radio uh, radiation transforming things and stuff like that Mm -hmm. So, so it's still kind of pulling from that maybe a little bit later from uh the world within the movie uh but in the real world just kind of the the nuclear scare and uh uh, things like that, kind of letting that feed into what the overall uh, story was. But um, uh, And uh, I really, uh, like, I like the, just the idea of that, that rocket housing <laughs> everything, but still having, you know, buttons and everything as a fail safe inside, just in case they needed to not do it. Uh, that's, that's very much that old school retro um, a uh, kind of mad scientist uh trope in there and uh, I really oh for sure that.
0: like pushing the button or turning the lever back down. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um and I think too, like the fact that the movie takes place sort of during like World War II era, you know that's another it's not a bomb, but it's like a possibility of the world ending through war. Yeah. So I think that looms over it as well. But I agree, there is a very big, like, sort of atomic, I don't know, dread over the film, even though it's a little early for that. But it's made in 2004, so. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we can cheat a little. Yeah, for sure. Um,
0: Let's see, were there other scenes that you...
1: I'm trying to think what, what what i'm
0: like bad at segues today oh, so i'm just gonna delete when i say
1: that <laughs> um oh one one thing i noticed this time like we were talking about the um the actors uh that are in it you know the big the big three were um law Paltro, and jolie uh like i said giovanni Rabisi is uh kind of his uh sidekick partner um quartermaster kind of like the cue to his james bond uh, yes Dex. yes but uh, michael gambon uh, played the um, Polly's uh, publisher. and mm-hmm. back when I first saw it, I had, I had no idea who he was. Uh, but uh, in the past couple of years, my son has become um, obsessed with Harry Potter. so I've watched the Harry <laughs> Potter films multiple times. Uh, so yeah, seeing the second Dumbledore <laughs> was. Uh,
0: I did recognize him. I was like, wow. <laughs>
1: yeah he's not in it much but uh yeah he's in there but that that was just kind of fun to be like oh i I recognize him too uh which is funny because i'm pretty sure i scrolled through the cast list like before i watched it last week and uh that didn't stick out but um uh yeah just uh i'm trying to think if there's anything else that um that i really really like enjoyed um uh, like it's again, it's just one of those movies that, like I said, it's it's very episodic. It's very much you have to see what's on screen to really get a good idea of it. Because I can talk about a cool plane, or even like a like a flying fortress airship, or those really weird flat bedded like hover um, carriers that you know they they were riding on in *Totenkopf Slayer*. It's like I Mm -hmm. I can talk about that all I want or the mechanical robots and everything, but it's just one of those things that you kind of have to see the the um, uh, the design work that went into it and all the imagination with all the like really curved lines and the very sleek designs and everything like that. So it's hard to describe stuff that was fun and great in it because you just have to go along for the ride. Um, yeah,
0: I completely agree.
1: And, um, and I mean, to like, like we were saying, you know, this, it's, it's a movie that came out maybe just a little too early because, uh, you know, you mentioned a couple of movies, the big one that I think uh, most people have seen would be Sin City. And that was a yes. smash hit and it came out a year later. And yeah,
0: it had, must've
1: been frustrating to him. I'm sure, I'm sure it was because, um, I mean, even if Sin City had, you know, more recognizable actors and, uh, you know, a name director and a, uh, you know, incredibly popular comic book series that it is a direct adaptation from his movie was easily accessible for everybody who could see Sin City and who couldn't see Sin City because you know, Sin that's City a good point. It's very much an R rated movie. <laughs> it is a uh, very R, uh, whereas sky captain is PG. And like I said, other than a single, you know, lewd comment and maybe a couple of other references that are going to go over the heads of some kids, there's really nothing objectionable about it. Um, even, uh, you know, we talked about maybe some of some things might need to get reworked, um, with some of the dialogue, um, I th- uh, even while I was watching it, I, I it, some stuff did stick out. Like, okay, would they get away with this back and forth today? Um, but I really don't think anything in it goes too far that um, it would get people up in arms. Because like I said, everybody's pretty much on like an equal playing field here. And uh, gets, gets their moments to shine and has their own there may be two dimensional characters, not exactly three dimensional characters, but they're still, um, you know, working off of the uh, the star power of the actors portraying them, but also mm-hmm. just um, just the the sheer fun that you can tell that they're having, making this weird, adventurous, bizarre movie that is unlike anything that any of them had been in up to that point and been in since then.
0: Very true. Yeah, I, I remember really liking Sin City. I haven't seen it in a long time. But I remember really liking that. So that's kind of ironic that I went and saw that. And like you said before, I really liked Cashern too. It's just like something no
1: one's seen. I think I've heard of it. Isn't that like a French film? It- I
0: believe it is. Uh, it was based on a, um, I think it was an anime. Um, I'm going to look it up again. Cashern film 2004. Yeah, it was like a Japanese film uh, and it was ba- it was based on like a I think an anime from like the 70s but it's kind of like a I can't even remember really what it's about but it was like I think it's like kind of like your big mech anime type thing I've,
1: I've, and, I've, I've, but it was it just
0: unique too. because I think at the time they didn't I don't I don't know that at the time they were doing that a whole lot probably because they didn't have the technology to until mm-hmm. this it doesn't look Amazing yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I remember thinking it was really great and like seeing it in the theaters and stuff, but I don't know how I would feel about it today.
1: Um, yeah, I mean, I look I looked it up and I've seen the uh, uh, DVD cover with uh, yeah with the guy with the weird metal plate over his mouth. I think what I'm thinking of is more of a like a rotoscoped movie. Um, oh okay okay uh it had daniel craig i haven't seen it but it's again again it's one of those it came around this i think it was called like renaissance or something i think it was a french film daniel craig was in it but it was it, it had more of a you, did you ever see um a scanner darkly the yes yeah it's yeah. kind of like that where they you oh, know, okay rotoscoped all the actors performances
0: yeah no this was like i mean it was it was really dark and gritty, but it was sort of like, he's in this white suit and it was like really violent from what I remember. And so we're like, cool, but it's like, I don't think it was, I don't know that it was considered great or anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just remember that I saw gotcha, it. Gotcha. Um, but yeah. And uh, so, yeah. Um, tangents. <laughs> I love tangents. Oh, uh, totally. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Have we missed any big scenes?
1: I don't think so because uh you know we got the got the beginning the blimp and then the mechanical monsters we got the uh, i
0: really like the ray gun yes oh (laughs) gosh this ray gun's so fun and I,
1: i love it like toward the toward the end when you know he pulls it out and starts shooting one of the robots and then he fires it and then it has like the really wimpy like wispy uh rings and then you know dex is like try whacking it a couple of times or try shaking it or something and that worked <laughs> it's it's just so fun but yeah that and, those and,
0: goggles it, are fun too <laughs> yeah and,
1: and just the the sound effect that it had like that woo, 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 or whatever yeah very very uh very fun there um yeah
0: and i love the costumes um i think the costuming they, they definitely got that right mm-hmm. in the film
1: yeah and uh like i said i think I think that desk that Polly sits at at one point to type up on her paper is the only actual part of a set that they built. Um, Wow. Some of the props, obviously, that they were like holding in their hands, I think they had. Uh, But yeah, everything else, backgrounds, environments, uh, obviously the mechanical robots uh, and the, you know, flying fortress and uh, Shangri-La and like all that stuff, everything was done on a computer. And uh, I I do think that, I mean, some of it does still look, you know, a little dated in the, at least as far as effects go. But I think what helps to its benefit is the fact that it's not trying to be realistic. It's trying to be, you know, a throwback film. It's trying to have a, I keep using the word retro, but there's no other way to describe it. Well, Uh, yeah, because it's not real yeah so
0: you can't be like it looks just like the 40s even like i thought that was interesting in the in their clothes in their clothing too it's like it looks it echoes the style of that time but it's not quite it yeah because it's not quite the actual 40s you know um so i i really i appreciated um like her coat um the sleeves were a little different and you know just little touches like that mm-hmm. and when you don't use like the real textures and the real weight of like wool and things like that you can tell in a movie so i think even though that they were not reacting to things that were physically there i do think that their costume kind of helps sell Mm -hmm. um the 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 look of the film too yeah absolutely um will <laughs> uh how 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 long is this movie? I didn't think to look at the runtime. Oh yeah, an hour and 46 minutes. Yeah. It's, it seems short. Um but I think probably the perfect amount of time for for a project like this.
1: Yeah, and I mean it's it's paced well. Uh even with it being very much going from one episode to another. Uh you know, because that's that's pretty much the the story is, well, let's go from here to 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 the end. Um it's um definitely you can see hints of it being broken into chapters where they could have done that. Um, But it still isn't paced. Like everything has to be at an 11. Uh, There's still, you know, moments where they're allowed to, uh, you know, like I said, they, uh, when they have to go through, you know, some of the, the story beats or they have to get expository. um, It still doesn't feel like the movie drags. Um, It's just not as exciting as seeing, you know, airplanes go against giant monsters or weird hybrid dinosaur things in a jungle.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I I completely agree. (laughs) Well, that brings me to my last couple of questions then. Uh, Number one, what if you had to summarize what we've talked about, what keeps you coming back to this movie? Why do you think you've seen it? So many times
1: it's i mean it's just entertainment it's an entertaining movie it's a unfortunately it's a missed opportunity in that it could have been a bigger hit it maybe should have been a bigger hit um it's fun to imagine other stories and adventures that these characters could have gone on but even as just one single self-contained film um it's just it's just fun and entertaining and really sometimes that's all I want out of a movie. That's all anyone wants out of a movie is to is to have a good time. Yeah, I completely agree. And how would you pitch this to someone that hasn't seen it before? I would pitch it as um, a couple of the comments I've made before. It's uh, a throwback film kind of in the vein of The Rocketeer or Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's paying homage to... Uh, you know, campy, cheesy adventure serials of yesteryear, uh, while having kind of a gloss of a modern movie, but still, you know, just wanting to do nothing but, but entertain. Um, on um, uh, uh, the the show Holy Batcast, uh, our friend Andy DeGenova said that he would um, watch The Rocketeer sky captain in the world of tomorrow. And I want to say the phantom as a good triple feature. Uh, And yeah, so, I mean, it's very, the phantom might be the one that I didn't get right, but even still, if he didn't say that, that's another one you could throw in there. It's just a good rollicking swashbuckling adventure movie.
0: Yes. I I think that's a really good sell. I hadn't thought about that. I, I did think about the rocketeer a little bit when, when I was watching it, but you know, I didn't grow up watching the Rocketeer a whole lot. So I feel like that's something I need to revisit. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's a lot of fun too. I mean, they're, they're, yeah, the, uh, some of the flying effects are a little, you know, green screeny, but again, I mean, like,
0: <laughs> but that's just the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: If you can forgive it. And you it's can forgive that. Joe Johnston who directed, um, like Captain America, the first Avenger, uh, and honey, I shrunk the kids. Um, and you know, a bunch of really good, you know, fun action entertainment films like that. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a solid movie.
0: Awesome. Well, Jay, thank you for coming back and for talking about this film with me. Uh, I've really enjoyed it. Where, where can people find you?
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, just my name is at J-A-Y-A-W-S. Just kind of smush my first and last name together. Um, I do still do some comics writing, even though I'm not podcasting as much as I used to. Uh, I'm over at Comic Pause, P-A-U-S-E, like, you know, you pause a video game um, do some occasional writing on my own blog over there and sharing comic booky stuff. Uh, and I'm in the, uh, I love that movie group on, on Facebook. Uh, I don't spend an awful lot of time on Facebook, so I don't post over there a whole lot, but you know, I should probably get onto that the more I watch movies that I love, but, uh, yeah, you can find me there and, uh, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's about it
0: awesome well thanks again for coming back and you definitely have to pick another movie um, to come back and chat about I think people will really appreciate this episode appreciate that you picked this film and yeah look forward to having you back soon Yeah,
1: thanks again for having me and I will uh, gladly be back on again if you'll have me